Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Hey, we're back again, episode 29, and how are you doing, good friend? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well, my week was good, and how about you, Dr. A? How are you? I'm good. Um, We are, we got the, everything taken care of for my father's homecoming which I'll be leaving out Sunday and uh, the funeral, the homecoming is homegoing, I should say. Homegoing is Monday. So I'll be back on the East, back in the city of brotherly love. Good to see family and friends I haven't seen in quite a while. But, uh, you know, everything everything should be nice. Safe travels and all the best. Let's jump right into it. As always, we start off with the WOW, which stands for Words of Wisdom. And this is from an oldie book goodie, uh, Benjamin Hooks. Black men who have succeeded have an obligation to serve as role models for young men entrapped by a vicious cycle of poverty, despair, and hopelessness. Simply put, each one teach one. You know, when... You become successful, you automatically have your roadmap. So share your roadmap, share your blueprint on how you navigated a system that isn't always kind of fair to uh, people of color. Um, so reach back and help out a young brother or, or a sister or a person of color um, and lead them along the way. What say you? Indeed, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I would only add that, in my opinion, the phrase black men who have succeeded doesn't just mean rich celebrities or athletes and entertainers. It should be defined as any black person who has the desire and intention of serving as an example of what it means to have a life of purpose, meaning, and joy. If young men can see it, they can be it. Because you remember when Charles Barkley said that he wasn't a role model. I'm okay with that because it has to be done out of love, not out of mm. an obligation. Yeah. Uh, to fairness to him, I don't know if he was talking about people with a certain financial bracket. I'm just thinking if you, like you just said, deem yourself a success um, and you're happy with your life and how things are going 
know, uh, share that. Exactly. You know, share that with somebody. All right. Benjamin Hooks, black men who have succeeded have an obligation to serve as role models for young men entrapped by a vicious cycle of poverty, despair, and hopelessness. Okay, our first plug of today is always our product. And our product today is Azure. It is a cologne, a men's cologne that I rock quite often. It smells good. I get a lot of compliments. Like, Dr. A, you smell good today. And I'm like, thank you. So, yeah, check it out. It runs about ugh, $100. In nine dollars or a hundred and twelve dollars. Uh, here it is. Uh, trust me, this is not one of your more expensive colognes because there are colognes out there that run four or five hundred dollars and even higher. So, yes, Azure. And move on. Okay. What's going on today? Yeah. And then there were four. <laughs> in the news for his four indictments, totaling 91 felonies. Um, do you want to explain hmm. what an indictment is? Or... Let's see. An indictment, you know, they say the they say that you can indict a ham sandwich because there's a really low standard. But basically, it's a formal charge or accusation of a serious crime that that you have to um, tell the police. So it says an indictment. It's when, like my partner said, when a person is formally charged with the crime and they must then appear in court to enter a plea. Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, I would say President Trump has appeared in court three times already to face other charges and denied them all. He must do so again. Well, he did in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was indicted, indicted for the fourth time. Question to my partner, will this hate, will this hurt? his presidential candidacy? I will say that, as I said before, when he got the first indictment for um, paying off the hush money to the porn star Stormy Daniels, I said at that time that that indictment was much ado about nothing. And I have the same opinion that this, all of these indictments to me are, although this is unprecedented for a president, it's much ado about nothing until he is either incarcerated or at least prevented from running for office. And because he's not 
prevented from running for office, he could possibly win. So I, I'm going to say, no, I don't think that this is going to hurt his chances of winning the nomination for the Republican, uh, the Republican nomination, the nomination for the Republican party. (laughs) It's not going to prevent him from getting that. And that's all I'm concerned about. So again, well, unless he's, you know, even if he's incarcerated, there's nothing that says he cannot run a campaign for the presidency. So to me, no, this doesn't hurt him. Well, it may not hurt him. <clears throat> and um, I would tend to agree with you about this because I watched a lot of this on the different networks and his followers or believers in him believe him. Like they feel that the left-wing media is out to get Trump and Biden is using um, the criminal courts to um interfere with Trump's uh, presidential candidacy. So they believe that it is a lie. Like these are trumped up, no pun intended, charges against um, Donald Trump. So they tend to believe like this is just a ploy to get him out of the race. But um, this latest are, indictment is a state is a state right, charge. Right. But I mean, they're sycophants, like the people who are following him. Um so when I, but I would, I was going to get to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say as much to do about nothing because I think in Georgia, that's serious. What he tried to do. He literally tried to bribe and get votes to turn the election around. And right. We all me, heard the tape. Yes. Yeah, we all heard it. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that right there alone, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Trump's anyway, but that right there alone should, you know, um, should disavow, uh, uh, you know, not make him eligible to run for office. I mean, well, and and the district attorney, the district attorney in in Georgia, Fonnie Willis, um. She was smart to me because she charged not only Trump, but 18 other defendants in uh, a RICO charge. So that's racketeering. And so I think that's smart because I think somebody's going to turn on him and start singing like a a, like a little birdie to get out of trouble. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, so I think that that was a very strategic move on her part. And she's the um, district attorney of Fulton County, Georgia, which contains most of Atlanta. And she is the first woman to hold that office. And she is doing so far an an impressive job of this, um, this, this particular criminal indictment against Trump. So... We shall see what happens, but I, I, my thing is, why would you even 
from Trump's perspective, why would you even want to be a president of a country that you you tried to overthrow, number one? And then number two, you keep saying that the elections are rigged, yet you want to go through the process again. And, so and you're the one trying to rig them, though. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You saying they're rigged. Yeah, but he he's a dictator. He's a narcissist. He can't take that the public, everybody doesn't bow down to him. Like to me, like I said, the media covers him because it gets eyeballs. He is a draw, both to left wing and right wing media. He is a draw. You know, he and his antics brings in viewership which drives up the cost of advertisement to these news stations. Right, but it's good for that, but it's not good for America. No, it's not. It's definitely not. But now you're seeing the America that really is. You know, since Trump has come around, it's like, okay, no more PC. I can speak my mind. You know, I don't want these black books uh, uh, black folks to learn about their culture and how America was evil to their forefathers and foremothers. Get those books out of the school. They telling us what, again, you know, rewriting history. And I told you before on one of the episodes, Stokely Carmichael, rest in peace, you know, uh, Kwame Ture, um, when he came to Morgan State, I think this was like 1989 he came, he said it. He was like, well, you know, they're going to rewrite history. They're going to rewrite slavery out of the books. He said this a long time ago, and he probably said it before that. I just was a freshman then. He probably said it in the 60s, you know, if I look back. and said, So all of this stuff is not surprising to me because it was foretold, you know. So we'll see what happens and where this goes. So. He was right, though. Stokely Carmichael was right. He must have had a crystal ball because, I mean, that was just on point. Who would have thought that they would blatantly try to do it? Like, we always kind of figured that they, because, you know, it's, whoever it's, whoever wins the war gets to tell the story. Let, let me tell you, I teach at A&M, and the majority of my students are white students, right? And when you start to teach, talk to them, like I said, I talk to them about white supremacy all the time, and they shy away from that, but they don't really understand what white supremacy is. They think white supremacy is just racist and hatred. No, it's just a superior attitude toward others, like we're better than others. And then when you show them that in media, this is how, then they say, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So if they go home and talk to their parents, because I always ask them, do you talk to the parents? They're like, yeah, what are they teaching them up at A&M? I don't want them thinking like this. So it's not, they. it was all right when, to me, this is just my opinion, it's in, I can't say this is factual or studied. So let me say that. Um, but to me, in my opinion, when it was just us learning about black history, they didn't care. <laughs> White kids not learn about black history whoa, we we got a problem, you know, because (laughs) our kids are believing in this. Right. And they're having sympathy. And, you know, even though they still right wing, I said they still, you know, conservative. But we'll see. You know, let's see. Two of the defendants are, two of the co-defendants are black people. 
One is Kanye West's uh, assistant. Did you see that? Mm, A woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I wonder what she did. I'm not sure how she played a part. Somebody's going to start singing. Say what you was going to say? No, I was just saying somebody's going to, one one of them is going to turn state's evidence and start singing like a canary, telling everything mm-hmm. they know to get. Let us move on. All right. On to a more serious and tragic matter. We're going to talk about the fires that happened in Maui, in Hawaii. There's a lot of pointing the fingers going around now, um, which I never liked. Uh, but this uh, damaged the island of Maui, um, the fires. They're blaming it on the environment. Um, it's hot. Um, it hit one of the, the winds were blowing and one of the electrical towers uh, boxes are hit and it that struck a fire and that they're saying that is the cause of the blaze yeah it fell and hit a tree yeah and then it's so hot the conditions are so dry that it all worked together for to you know all worked together in like the perfect storm and ignited this fire but that is just one theory and they're still investigating but that sounds like a very plausible theory to me. Yeah. And global warming is real. So. <laughs> yeah. In the state of Texas, um, they're banning burning, like yard burning, because some people burn their fires in the yard. But the land is so dry and the leaves are so dry because it's so hot. They're saying this is um, it's cause for concern because the fire can spread and on dry land it, it really flames up quickly so in maui this is the situation that happened and it just engulfed the whole island almost yeah and the and they, death toll the last time i heard was 111 but there were so many people unaccounted for right so this and to me one of the worst ways you can die and i'm not dead but just looking at it is to burn in a fire Right. And they said people were trying to escape and having to go jump in the water and, mm-hmm. you know, just to try not to be engulfed by the flames. And yeah. that's got to be very scary. And I know another thing that the residents were complaining that they didn't get any type of warning, like the system, yes. the emergency the alert. yeah, alert system wasn't wasn't working properly. So that is that's unacceptable i don't know what the problem is i don't see people get mad and they want to start to blame and i guess that happens people have to resign it's their job but is it because of sometimes i don't know this and i'm not putting it out there and this might say you know like i don't know what i'm talking about but it seems sometimes it's like we have systems that are supposed to work Mm -hmm. but all the time they don't they don't always work the way we want them to work. And unfortunately, after a situation like this, you know, studying this, uh, we can come up hopefully with a better system 
that operates better. People are saying, well, the alarms were supposed to sound. Well, they didn't. Well, so you're not going to, I mean, that would concern me. They, well, that's the I'm, point is, is, is of it, having them but, <laughs> in case of an emergency. If right. But, if, but, but my whole thing, was somebody supposed to sound the alarms or were the alarms? Okay, it says to... here, Hawaii's network of about 400 alarms meant to alert residents to tsunamis and other natural disasters did not activate as the fire spread on August 8th. That's when the fire started, August right. 8th. And and that's it, a technical malfunction, right? But, or is then, it a but human then, there, then there are also reports that firefighters didn't have enough water to tackle the blaze on August 8th. I mean, who... <laughs> So they were saying it was but what I'm saying is it just seems that the whole the whole system was uh inadequate. You don't have the proper alert to allow people enough time to evacuate. Like they didn't the the residents were saying they did they weren't even told that they needed to evacuate the area. Like that to me is scary. Like, how do you even? It's you have no chance if you don't have a warning that okay, you you need to you need to leave. So people were at the last minute figuring it out on their own. Oh, this doesn't look this doesn't look good. This doesn't look safe. We need to leave. And even when people are warned, a lot of times people. Um, insist on staying behind to try to save their property and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, but this what do you think is going to happen no, if they don't have any warning? Then? Right, but this, 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 there was no chance to save property here. These fires were flaming through houses like quickly. So right. getting out. Saying, so yeah. I'm thinking like is it an amber alert that they were supposed to get on their phone to warn them? Like folks are mad um, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be mad, but I don't know. I just always it think says here it we, says. Go ahead. I was just going to say it says here West Maui residents have described the fires jumping across highways and showing up in their yards or in, or their or engulfing their homes without warning, forcing them to run for their lives. So. Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. How do you explain a fire that's on one side of the street turns into an Olympic type event, you know, and they hurtle across the street. And then it sets a blaze, like you running for your life. Right. But usually... Not having enough water, You, the question is, how is that? Where's that coming from? When do you run out of water? And they're saying, well, they had water, but the water pressure was so low. The firefighters were saying that it it wasn't enough pressure to work the fire hoses and stuff. Maybe because it was too many fires they were trying to, and everybody so that's what was I'm using saying. the water. Right. This was just the perfect storm. It was just all the conditions worked together to the detriment of all and I don't think residents. the system was prepared for something like this. Right. And they did say that this was the deadliest fire in U.S. history. Yeah. So, well, at least in Hawaii, I think in, in Hawaii, they said 
the deadliest in the United States in more than 100 years, but it's the deadliest ever in Hawaii with the hundred, like you said, it's up to 111 people and more it's than 2,200 structures, yeah. more than 2,200 structures have been just destroyed by the fire. 86% of them are residential properties and then the, the others might be commercial. Mm. But yeah, so and Oprah has a house on, on the island and she reportedly is doing a lot to help the residents, like giving them supplies and stuff like that. Um, she has, in 2003, she purchased two properties in Maui, totaling 163 acres for $5.3 million. And she owns over a thousand acres in total across the island. And she just recently in March purchased another 873 acres for $6.6 million. So she really has a lot of skin lot in the of, game here. Yeah. yeah she did so. her interview with, um, what's the uh, actor's name that plays on Murder? Viola Davis. Oh, really? She did a special interview with her oh, out, yeah, yeah, at yeah. one of her Hawaii houses sitting on the balcony. So uh, we pray that uh, for the families who lost loved ones, and we also send prayers out for those, you know, trying to, you know, rebuild their lives and get their livelihood and their houses back. Godspeed with that. Indeed. And let us move on. Okay. You seemed a little interesting. Mm, 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 mm. Just when he was on the mend. <laughs> what went on here? Well, Jennifer Aniston, who is Brad Pitt's ex-wife and who famously starred in Friends, which is basically they stole the idea from Living Single. It's the white that's, version of Living Single. That's, that's your theory? It's so obvious. Did, yes. did Living Single come out first? Yes, it did. Okay. Then all of a sudden you had the white version in Friends. But anyway, so... Jennifer Aniston is famous for, you know, being on that show on Friends. So anyway, she received, recently she received backlash after she appeared to like an Instagram post that Jamie Foxx posted. Um, and some people had called the post anti-Semitic. Yeah. So basically he wrote, he has 16.7 million followers on Instagram and he wrote on his Instagram page, they killed this dude named Jesus. What do you think they'll do to you? Hashtag fake friends, hashtag fake love. So this organization called A Wider Frame, it, which is a newsletter that focuses on issues affecting the Jewish community. They, on Instagram, they describe Fox's post as a quote, horrifically anti-Semitic message echoing on an anti-Semitic trope 
that insists that Jews are collectively responsible for the killing of Jesus. <laughs> so after the backlash, Jennifer Aniston said, this really makes me sick. I did not like this post on purpose or by accident. And more importantly, I want to be clear to my friends and anyone hurt by this showing up in their feed. I do not support any type of anti-Semitism and I truly don't tolerate hate of any kind, period. So then Jamie Foxx had to come out and apologize for it. Right. which people were saying he shouldn't have had to apologize, but he did being the upstanding guy that he is. He basically just said, I want to apologize to the Jewish community and everyone who was offended by my post. I now know my choice of words have caused offense and I'm sorry. That was never my intent to clarify. I was betrayed by a fake friend and that's what I meant with they, not anything more. I only have love in my heart for everyone. I love and support the Jewish community. My deepest apologies to anyone who was offended. And that's what happened. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, you got to be kind of, not kind of, you got to be careful with that. I don't know where he thought that was going to go. That didn't seem like, you know, they killed Jesus. Like it's an easy implication to me. What group you talking about? Um, so, but he did apologize. So you think it was wrong of him to say that? You think that's anti? It, well, first of all, it. can I ask you this? How do you pronounce? Is it Semitic or Semitic? Because I've heard people say it different ways. Anti-Semitic. Yeah, is it? It's I would say anti-Semitism. Semitic. That's what I call it. Okay, I, I hear it. I hear 50 50. Like some people say anti Semitic, some people say anti Semitic. To me, it's it's spelled Semitic, but people say Semitic. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> all my life, and I grew up around and went to school with Jewish. To me, that's how they pronounced it. Usually, okay. they said anti Semitism, that's what they would say. Okay. Um, and then they would say anti-Semitic, but Semitic, I, I guess either one. But everybody understands what they're talking about. So I think he did a good job to apologize. I don't know if Jennifer Anderson read the whole thing. He, she, sometimes you just go through your friend, post something, and you just like, 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 like. So that could have happened. But she said she ain't do it by accident. She so. said she didn't do it by accident or on, on intentionally. Yeah. Uh, she it's didn't one even, or the other, unless somebody else did it. Right. She didn't. I was about to say she didn't even claim that somebody hacked her account and did it. She was like, "I didn't do that. I don't know." <laughs> but it was clear because the Jewish organization um, posted a screenshot of her liking Jamie Foxx's post. So somebody's not telling the truth. Somebody's not being totally honest here. So. Sometimes people just need to stay out of black folks' business. That's what I think. Yeah. You know, that's just how we talk. Like, we don't mean, you know, we didn't mean, in, you know, a lot of times. I, I knew what he was trying to say. 
I didn't think it was a. I well, well, what was he trying to say then? I think he. I think it has something to do. He never said what exactly happened, but I'm just speculating. I think it has something to do with his recent hospitalization. You know, he went through the medical crisis. He basically almost died, and brought, they brought him back to life. He people are speculating that maybe he had a stroke. There's no official word on what exactly what type of medical. They just called it like a medical event or medical occurrence or something. But I think someone in his circle disclosed information that was supposed to remain in the circle. That's what I think he was referring to. Like somebody, I have a fake friend who basically betrayed me. And so yeah, he was saying, I get that, but why are you? Jesus, he's, why he's would, saying, go ahead, go ahead. I, I, I took it to mean he's saying even Jesus who was a divine human being sat at the right hand, sitting at the right hand of God, the son of God was, so he was didn't killed mean by focus, his, by he didn't mean to focus family. on the group. He's saying Jesus was killed, you know? So why wouldn't they come after me? And, and not only killed Dr. A, but killed by people in his inner circle, like people who were close to him. Okay. Did, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so it. yeah, he was just comparing, you know, saying like somebody in my inner circle betrayed me. Like if they did it to Jesus, I shouldn't be surprised they did it to me. Like that's how people do. That's what I that's, that's how I took it. <sighs> but again, if you can't say anything, you got to be careful. I might get in trouble for just saying what I just said. But... I don't think so. And let us <laughs> move on. I think this is the appropriate beat for what we're about to talk about. Students using AI and they're talking about well, collegiate high school students. It's a big topic in my profession. Like, how do we combat this? Are students doing the work or not? Something serious, something that we need to think about. AI is on the move. What say you it about is, AI? It is. And this kind of this story kind of stemmed from the Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law at Arizona State University. They uh, said on Thursday, July 27th, that prospective students are explicitly allowed to now use generative artificial intelligence tools to help draft their applications. Applicants will need to certify that they use generative AI and that the information submitted is truthful. Um, generative artificial inte intelligence is widely available regardless of an applicant's economic situation. And the new policy is limited to prospective students and the law school is still in the process of creating rules for using AI for coursework and in the classroom. So basically you can use this AI to generate your responses on your application to the school, but they are still in the process of deciding how they're going to allow students to use it in the classroom. 
Um, yeah, that this is a yeah. tough issue because we are graders, and when you go to school, it should be your own mind that gets you and earns you your degree, not some artificial intelligence. So if you come into school just to program your answers and you're going to come up with some great answers, yeah, it, it it's easier to grade. When you read great papers, you're like, oh, that's easy. Check, 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 check. <laughs> when folks have problems with, you know, um, uh, conveying uh, the English language uh, through the written word, yeah, it's a lot you got to go back and do. But, I mean, even though they have, like, stuff like Grammarly that goes in and checks and rephrases and do, does things like this. That's just another way. But how can we tell if, if this is original work or artificial? Well, I know for, for, for this particular law school that is allowing it on the applications, they are requiring you to certify that you are in fact using it. So, I mean, you shouldn't have to wonder whether or not somebody's using it. I think if we're moving towards the direction of letting students use it, they should disclose that they are in fact using it. I don't because care if they, dis if they disclose it. Then I don't even, I don't think it should be allowed to me, period. I don't think that if you have an essay to write about their eyes are watching God, that you shouldn't have to be able to go back input some information about the book, tell them what direction you want to go in or however you utilize this AI and it writes an essay for you and you turn it in. Absolutely not. Um, and if anybody says it should be allowed, then let's talk about education. Because how is that educating you? If that's the case, then I'm going to make you write 10 essays. And then now you got to read and grade 10 essays. Yeah, I do. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut the assignment. No, what I mean by that is, yeah, I'm going to do it more. Because the only way you're going to learn by that is seeing the how AI, you know, artificial intelligence sculpts and put an essay together. And it, it stuff like this should just be, it should be human error. You know, um, that's how you should learn by that way um, um i'm I mean, trying to I figure still... out even even the essay to me that for your application to get in the school that's phony i don't care how much information you put in about yourself that's phony that's not coming from the heart that's somebody with that doesn't know you that's writing something up that could be way off and they can do an excellent job, but they're creating a, a dummy you, a phony you, a fraudulent you. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. And then it's an economic thing. I know it doesn't cost a lot, but then say, for instance, it, well, this is a better AI. This is a better AI. This is a better AI. Then those with more money and more resources are going to have an advantage. AI should be used for personal things. That's it. I don't think it should be used for academic. And I know people say, you're biased. You're coming from academia. Yeah, I am coming from academia. But I'm thinking about people who preceded me and like up to now, like these kids are making it in on their own merit. You want to talk, if you really want to talk about affirmative action, then you got kids coming in and their essays are off the chain. Then you're just going to have name discrimination when you not seeing you know, certain minority groups get in if everybody using AI. The other danger is that 
you could have gifted students who are now going to be accused of using AI. You see what I'm saying? So if you if you are a gifted student and you are a, an excellent writer, now you're going to be there's already there's already speculation that you use AI. Okay, you know this I mean? is this is how it works to me. You already know your students kind of the work they put in. And if you see examples of their work, you know, in the class that they have to do that maybe is on some written paper, their phones and technology is a way you can see right out the bat who's who, you know, like, okay. That's true because you, you can't know. use it on a written exam. Right. So I always go to my best student, I feel like my three best students and I start the grade. Then I go to my three uh least effective students in our grade and then i see where everybody else falls mm -hmm. you know and, 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 and the reason why i call them least because i know they don't put in the time or the effort but here's the problem the genie is out of the bottle i don't know how many different ways you could say it. the die is cast this chain has left the station that ship has sailed whatever you whatever you want to say but so we might as well embrace it and try to figure no, out we come up with to, technology to figure that, out how to use it wisely because no, it's here and it's not no, going to go anywhere no yes. that's not it's not learning it's not learning so, so this also, is this is what we need to do come up with a way to detect it like you know and there are brains out there that can do so come up with a way to detect it because then we're handing out and some people say we're doing that anyway. We're handing out degrees to people who are just tricking us. How do you move into? Because all that's going to do really down the line, and students should be against this. Because the more AI you use on the academic level, then they shut down professors and jobs. You know, because they're going to have prof that they're going to replace professors with AI professors. And then guess what? Corporations are going to do the same thing. So when you invite this monster in, because that's what it is, you're going to eliminate jobs. And the apex capitalists, the greedy people are going to be like, oh, okay, I don't need 40 people here, right? I only need 10. So 30 of y'all, c'est la vie. When that's, you probably, go, that's probably the, the case in every profession. Be yeah, but they're going to start going AI. to write, writing labs and then they, the AI is going to grade their paper. Put it together. That's a, I, I mean, I see what you're saying, though, because if I'm a student, I would I want my writing to be in my own voice. So if you use AI, you could possibly you lose your own voice. You know what I mean? Possibly yeah. you will. Yeah. And then and then also. Um writing is a cathartic ex exercise and if students try be, to, to yeah to, it to can be it people, can be a cathartic exercise and so some people I mean, that's the whole, but that's the whole point of for example keeping a journal there's power in writing things down like that's a, that's a, a a bible verse that people like to quote you know write the vision and make it plain that kind of thing and if you don't have the vision you perish um and and there's there's that's why people successful people 
give the advice of telling people to write things down that they want to accomplish because there really is power in that. And so if people, if students, I agree with you, if they skip that process of grappling with text and writing and um, putting your feelings on paper and, and expressing your ideas, all of that is a skill, you know, that's a skill that you learn to communicate. You will cheat yourself if you rely on artificial intelligence to do that for you. So I yeah. do see your point, and it's definitely a choice that students are going to have to make and colleges are also going to have to make. Enough said. Don't stop now. Okay. So today I want to talk about a Costco brand called Kirkland. And Kirkland makes just about anything you could possibly want. Right now, I have the Kirkland brand of water. And we, <laughs> we have the case of Kirkland water on the floor in the kitchen. That's when you know you're in the black house, remember, when you have the case of water on the floor. <laughs> and we use this brand. Um, we've also used, they even make um, wine. They make, you name it, they make it. And so it's a reliable brand and it's very comparable some, to some of the well-known brands that you might know. And uh, yeah, and it's cost-effective, so we like it here in the Jackson household. Kirkland, go to Costco and get you some. All right. And let us move on. So, like I said, we have a new segment. segment where we give some advice I need some good advice tell me I'm wrong or right there's a choice to make please help decide my fate you need to think it through give me your point of view this is bothering me you got a remedy I'm feeling sad and blue what you think I should do what you think I should do what you think I should do? All right. We still haven't came up with a good title for this segment. But the question today is coming in from a friend of the show who has appeared on the show. Is there a different stigma about meeting someone at the bar in a restaurant? And that word should be or getting a table. What does each location imply, especially when meeting a friend or a colleague? What you think? I think? I think, first of all, when you're going out with a friend or a colleague of the opposite sex, you should just let your partner know. Like, I'm going out, me and David, or me and 
or going to restaurant, blah, blah, blah. Then if somebody come up to you that's your partner's friend, like, hey, how you doing? <clears throat> and they get, you know, they go, you know, and get it all. And then the person would say, oh, yeah, they're, I know they're there together. Um, but as to the stigma, yeah, there are stigmas. Um, when you're at the bar seems like the pickup place the table seems like there is a chance that no the table seems like the two people know each other bar could mean like i I just met the person here even though you could have came in together and decided to sit at the bar because felicia and i do that when they say it's 48 minute wait for a table but the bar is available we like we want to eat we'll go to the bar all right I already know who she is, you know. I ain't got to be looking at her across the table, eye to eye. My face going to be in my plate. But, yeah, if, um, if you single and the other person is attached, yeah, there is a stigma. Um, the bar is like, like I said, to me, a bar could be looked at as, oh, they hooking up. Because you got to turn around intentionally and face that person. If you're talking to them, you know, so you turn your stool like this and they turn a stool and y'all like feet to feet, leg to leg, you know, his leg, her leg, his leg, her leg, you know, it's that, that could be a little intimate, like what's going on, right? you know, and that could be your brother at the bar. <laughs> right. And the other thing is there's a lot of traffic at the bar sometimes and so to me the difference is if you want a little more privacy you might want to get sit at a table because it's easy to overhear conversations at a bar to me so i think if you have it if you're meeting a colleague and it's a business meeting you might want to get a table just for the privacy and but the table could, all the distractions but don't you think the table could come off like th this is a date no, people have business meetings. At I know people have time. business meetings. I know that. But I'm just saying. It does. I'm saying so somebody comes in. When you come into a restaurant, and I know you have a different mind, I want to tell my audience, you don't think like everybody else. You come in and somebody is sitting at the table and, you know, it's the ambiance of the restaurants. Like we ain't going, we ain't talking Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, you know, we talking about, I don't know, give me a restaurant, a, a steakhouse or something. Roof and you're sitting, huh? Roof, well, yeah, even Roof Chris, that's like, what are they doing here together? Just being in Roof Chris with somebody else and spending a dollar or Mastro's where y'all just went, you know, mm -hmm. together. That implies a lot. Okay. I mean, but. Very so the advice good. they're looking for is they have went and they were at the bar. Should they have been at the bar or should they have been at the table? And they just friends. Yeah. Like just meeting a friend, like a, like I'm meeting my girlfriend. You know, if girlfriend. I'm my, if I'm meeting got, a friend, like. Okay. It gotta be, a, it gotta be a guy friend. A so girlfriend, a friend, it don't matter where you are. So this is a woman. Unless, unless uh, let me take that back. Unless you have an, an intimate relationship with the young lady, 
I'm thinking. I'm thinking with a hetero. And excuse everybody out there. I'm thinking with a heteronormative mind um, that boy meets girl, girl meets boy. But it could be boy, boy, girl, girl. But what I'm saying is, when two guys are at a table, the implications are they're buddies, right? Unless you see other actions going on, like foot rubbing and stuff like that. Oh, oh boy. I mean, I do you do you go out and have lunch and dinner with your male friends a lot? Yeah. Okay. But it's 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 usually more than one, but sometimes it's only one. And just that just hanging out or for a specific yeah. purpose or having a like it's, you, it's usually my fraternity brothers or or my homeboys, yeah. Okay. And it's but it's usually at a sports bar, you know. I ain't going to no intimate place with my. It's just the stigmas. You 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 go to Buffalo Wings, uh, uh Willie's or or uh, what's the Wing Stop, um. Any place that walk-ins, any bombshell, you know, Dave and any place like that, you walk in with the guys, like, okay, it's sports. Y'all going there to watch the game. Now, if you go in the roof, Chris, with your, your buddy, that can happen. Nine times out of ten, you might sit in the bar area because it's a more masculine place to eat. But if you candlelight with the, you know, <laughs> folks are like, what's going on here? Even with your natural brother. Right. Now, when it's four guys at the table, it's different. It's it's a it, the question is a good question because it's how we read things. Okay. So, so you have a a colleague, say for instance, at your job, a colleague, a nice looking male, and y'all meet out at a semi-intimate place. Um, when people walk in and they see you across the table for somebody, there could be, you know, stigmas, like, you know, implications. I think it also depends on, because a lot of times people um, in a work environment will go to a happy hour after work. A lot of people, though. It'll be a group of people. Yeah, if it's a that's what I'm saying. You got to discount groups. Okay, so that's we're talking the same about one Yeah. Yeah, because even if you go out and there's three guys and you, folks are like, okay, they working together. Maybe one of them might be with her, but people are not really looking at it that way because there's three guys there. But I'm saying if it's two on two or if it's one on one especially, then folks could be like, oh. Okay, so do you think it's possible for if there for a, a male in for a male employee to take a female employee to dinner and have it just be a platonic situation where they're just getting to know each other or yes definitely that can happen and do you think that that is inappropriate or that would be totally fine I think it's totally fine, but to safeguard things, I would tell, if I had a significant other, I would tell them. If I didn't have a significant other, I'm not obligated to tell anyone. If they have a significant other, I would tell them to call and ask if it's all right. 
because people come in and people, you know, they say things that get back to your significant other. They're going to be like, well, if it was innocent, why didn't I know about it? Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to tell my girlfriend if I'm going out with a homeboy or a homegirl. Yeah, because they might be expecting you at home at a certain time and you want to let them know why you're not going to be there at that certain time that you normally are. But, but even if you said you 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 didn't have you were hanging out today, but you didn't know who you were hanging out with. So yeah, we we usually go to happy hour. Like she knows you go to happy hour on Thursdays at such and such time from five to seven. Like that's your time out. If I'm going there with somebody that she doesn't know well, um, yeah. And then you know, you, I'm going to limit the amount of times I go out with that individual by myself. That makes sense. Yeah, that's just that's just being on the up and up just to guard against, you know, the BS. But I just think if that, if those two people decide to sit at a bar versus sitting a at a table, to me, the difference is like, if you're sitting at a bar, it's like, you just drinking and it's like on and popping, like y'all just gonna get lit and it's just on and popping. Like well, it's not so just you, you have to define to me what's on and popping. On and popping <laughs> means that that means something less uh, more than platonic. Now, maybe your language for on and popping is different, but when someone say, Well, it was on and popping, and you know, they <laughs> they going up to in the short stay somewhere for four hours or something. Right. I just mean like you're just not even trying to have dinner. You're like really just drinking. You're at a bar. I guess you could get like Yeah, you get appetizing. Yeah, yeah. Devil eggs. I'm always <laughs> trying to eat. <laughs> right. You know, I'm never really going out just to drink only, but sometimes I do that like you gonna grab a drink and whatever to talk just, to someone. No, I just would never do. I just think that's inappropriate. If you're, especially if you're in a relationship, I don't think a woman should go out and have a cocktail with a man if she's in a relationship. That just doesn't seem appropriate to me. That's just me. Uh oh, you got the furrowed brow. Uh oh. <laughs> Are you talking about a new individual? You talking about a new individual? If you if a woman is in a relationship with a man, I think it is inappropriate for her to go out and have a drink with another man. See, I totally disagree with that. So if me and That's Felicia lived, hold on. If me and Felicia lived in Bowie and we were frequent, well, not in Bowie, but in your area. And we frequently came over to your house and y'all frequently came over to our house. And you and I were two blocks from each other. That's different. Okay. Okay. So there's an exception. That's different because our spouses know that we are friends and we've been friends for 30 years. They okay. Know. Well, let's so put that saying, in. Like if you were a random couple, I would never go out to have a drink with the man even if it was a colleague that worked for, with you for 15 years 10 years mm -mm, no 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 if because you know why because my husband is friends with the couple too so how no, forget about the couple i'm talking about somebody on your job that you talking have about couples though we said because we started out with you and felicia that's a couple 
Yeah. So you said if you and Felicia live down the street. Yeah. And you and I, you know, and then right, I'm changing out, it from couple. We hung out as couples sometimes, right? Right. I changed and then it. One from time couple. you want to hang out with me and you by ourselves. Yeah. Me and you personally, Dr. A and Kim, that's two different that's that's different because we our spouses because of the know relationship. Us as children. Yeah, right, exactly. Okay. But if it was my next door neighbor and his wife, how do I look going out with my, my with him? That's uh-uh. My, first of all, my husband would be like, you done lost your mind, number one. Number two, I just would not do that's inappropriate. Like okay. If okay. it's not going to be the two couples hanging out, it okay. ain't going to be nobody hanging out. Let's step away from the... No, no, no. Because I'm saying like there's different ways. Like maybe y'all are in plan to go out, but you go to the bar and Randy that lives next door for 17 years or uh, 15 years, you see him in the bar. So y'all sit down and have a drink. Hey, what's up, Randy? Fancy meeting you here. Talk to you later. That's yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. I, I to uh, me, if I, I if I don't, I wish my husband was here. If I, I if I don't borrow, if I don't borrow sugar from Randy and and Randy and 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 I already sat down and watched game football games together, and y'all been to our backyard parties, and we've been to yours. I don't see that as a problem. You bumping into somebody because you don't even have to really get a table together. You know, in these places, you can just be face to face, standing up, having a drink. But see, that's me. Because remember how we talked about Justice Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court with, you know, getting these gifts from these rich mega donors. It doesn't look right. So that's I, I have the same standard. If it don't look right. I'm not. No, I don't even want nobody thinking nothing inappropriate because that's not so how I a work. colleague i so don't you, get down like that i don't want none of that smoke nope. okay then, nope. then okay so now we're getting back to the heart of the question what's that going to these places at the bar or the table means something so you wouldn't even go out with a colleague that's Honestly, a male I, I actually have done that before and i probably would not do that again i don't think that was a good idea I just, it was totally platonic, totally on the up and up. This is a person that I work with and it was totally innocent. But in hindsight, I probably would never do See, that. See, I, I trust my woman, period. Oh, I, I'm to be trusted too. No, it don't sound, no, it doesn't, it, it sounds like you should be trusted, but you, you almost saying that you being disrespectful to your man if you're going out with a colleague. And, and and that that drink could be for an hour or so, but I get it. I'm not knocking you. That's the way you you get it's down. Not, but that's what I'm saying. It's not even me. It's more so people on the outside looking in. First of all, I don't want anybody thinking that something inappropriate is going on. Hey, Ryan, me and Tom, we gonna grab something to drink at Union Station before I come home. That's number no. one. But number, let me tell you what number two is. Number two is. I don't want the man having any type of ideas that anything could possibly remotely go down. You wouldn't go out with a guy like that. Right. So say for how, would I know, how would I know that that's a guy like that? Because in 15 years, you can see has 
he ever made an advancement to anybody else? Has he ever been flirtatious yeah. with you? That's Period. not even the issue. Because, see, this is how people get in trouble. This is how people get in trouble. Let me just say, from my perspective, why <laughs> would you put yourself in a situation that could possibly go wrong? That's I, my thing. So that's why I try to avoid situations. Because we all, listen, anything can happen at any time. We're all human. So for me personally, like I trust myself, but I'm not going to tempt myself or, or I'm not going to put myself in a situation where something could possibly let me, let, be let me, let me, misperceived. Okay. That's just like, let me say this. Know. I understand what you're saying, but every man is different. You got to have discernment. And I know you do. You Hold on. Let me shake your head. You, you're a certain age. So the person that I just told you with Tom is a 65-year-old white man that's been working there for 30 years. You've known him for 15 years. Does that change the scenario now that I'm going everybody out is Everybody is cool and on the up and up until they're not. Okay, and well, I'm just say, not trying to you, be around when they're out, not. Say you've been out with Tom. Hold on. Say you've been out with Tom several times in in the uh, happy hour situation with a bunch of colleagues, eight or nine of y'all out. Mm -hmm. And during those times that you've been going out over three or four years, you've had conversation with Tom. Mm -hmm. Usually when colleagues go out, sometimes a lot of times they either talk about current events or what's going on at the job. Right. right? And that's what they into. And my whole thing is like, would you be leery of that? No, that's a different situation that's why i told other people it depends, are around. it depends no 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 i'm talking about no forget the people i'm saying now i'm going out grabbing a drink with tom at union station no by see that's what i'm saying i'm not doing that i no. will do the group situation uh, so you you think you sound like anybody liable to hit on me? I feel you. No, I'm not seeing that. You can... <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Listen, you gotta listen. understand, Doctor A. When I go <laughs> out, I, I'm, I'm a temptation, so I don't want to even tip a mf right around me. <laughs> that is not what I am saying. Okay, ladies, I know you see what I'm. I know the ladies understand what I'm saying. We don't need no problems. I don't want no problems, okay? I don't want no problems. I don't want nobody saying, you know, Kim was out with Tom. I don't want Tom thinking, oh, she she agreed to go out with me. She might agree to do some other stuff. I don't know. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And I'm not trying to find out. I'm too old for that. I, and I'm not trying to Like I said to me, God blesses us with discernment. I know some 65-year-old white woman that I'm working on a job with ain't trying to do nothing with me, period. And if she is, I'm going <laughs> to laugh at her. And that probably be the best time I had going out in a long time. I said, check out old Cheryl trying to get, me, get in her grits or something like that. No, 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 no. Now, I can, I tell you this, beauty Beauty is an issue because if you're seen outside with somebody that's very sexy and attractive and young, yeah, I would say I don't want no smoke a problem with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because 
that could be is like oh she he God. was at the table talking, laughing, and we could be laughing about somebody else on the job or what happened today. And people saying they, as he said, you keep keying it up, you know, <laughs> with well, somebody. So that would make a difference to me. The age of the beauty in- is in the eye of the beholder, though. Yeah, but I'm saying that as long as I think she's like incredibly sexy, I'd be like, I don't know about that. I ain't gonna hang with her alone. Maybe with the whole group, yes, but her but alone. You know what people no. say? Everybody fine in the dark. It don't make a difference. No, I'm that, talking about somebody from the job. That's I real. know, but that's the thing. People, people th- think that you have to be attractive in order for somebody to have an indiscretion with someone. It's not necessarily about how good somebody looks. I agree with that because, yeah, if I'm in the 65, I find Debbie Allen very attractive. See and she's 70 something years old. <laughs> right. But no, I'm, but I, I get what you're saying. But I'm saying there is discernment. But I always say this as long as my partner knows, and especially if my partner knows who that colleague is, I'm okay with that. Now, my partner doesn't know the colleague. And I've been talking about because I don't know anyone my wife wouldn't know if I'm working at a job for 15 years and I ain't introduced them or invited them to a party where they met them. So I'm saying that I'm saying that 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 is of my thought process. Anybody that I am going out happy hour with my uh, partner knows who that individual is. And then broke bread, and and that person knows who my um, because that's but that's just the way I think. And so to me, being at the bar is a little bit more intimate because you got to turn around and face the person and talk. And I think the bar seems like a place where you pick people up. When you at a table, that seems like that's prearranged, like y'all already decided to make reservations or something like that and grab the table. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they both have. Uh, different imp- implications, and I, you know, I just, I just think you gotta be uh, careful with that. All right. We just finished that. Let us move on. Like this. Keep the keep on. So today I want to highlight, as our little-known Black history fact, the 1870 census. That was the first count of the United States population that included all Black people. As the first census after the Civil War, the 1870 census is the first to include all African Americans by name along with the rest of the population. And it's the it's often the, the first official record of a surname for formerly enslaved people. 
This particular census lists the person's age and place of birth. Before that, enslaved people were counted in every census from 1790 to 1860. However, they were never named. They were always listed under their enslaver's name. Free people of color, on the other hand, were treated pretty much like whites in the census every year. So if you were free, you would be listed. If you were enslaved, you would be listed under your enslaver's name. The 1870 census that first counted, the first count of the United States population that included all black people is our little known black history fact of the day. All right. And let us move on. Okay, so our final plug of the day is always our podcast. And this is an oldie but goodie, Matt Hoffman's expert opinion. Lately, they've had some very, very good guests on. They had Michael Bivens on. You need to check that out. Killer Mike they had on. You need to check that out. Um, oh, man, I'm drawing a blank. There's several other good ones. Ed Lover, you need to check that out. Um, so let me just leave you with those three right there. Those were excellent interviews, um, and they, they, they're, they're historic. You know, they when, when people go back down memory lane, I love that. So, yeah, check them out, Math Hoffa, my expert opinion. Speaking of Michael Bivens, have you ever ever seen a new edition in concert in person? Um, I want to say I saw him one time. Um. They did like two songs somewhere for somebody. I want to go to a new edition concert. I've never been. Oh, wow. Were you a big new edition fan? Yes, I, did. I was. I love new edition. I love all of their music. I love the spinoffs. I love Bobby Brown. I love Belle Biv DeVoe. Belle Biv DeVoe. I like Ralph Tresvant. You need a man with sensitivity. I love it all. Really his only hit. I love... Uh, Johnny Gill, he's from DC, so you know I love him. So yeah, I love I love all of them, and I love them together. And let us move on. Oh hell no! Oh hell no! So oh hell no is the easy one today. Trump wants to push back any uh, court cases, uh, trials, I should say, to April. 2026 and to that we say oh hell no because who are you so oh hell no yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought we were going to talk about the santa some more okay okay uh and and let us move on This is another short one uh, to one million dollars was awarded to Dr. McElroy, Kathleen McElroy, for this whole debacle at um, Texas A&M. 
So we salute her, get your cash, get your money, and let's see if she winds up coming back to Texas A&M. <coughs> you got any words for her? Good for her. Okay. All right. That's the show for today. That's the episode. Today, let's go over our plugs. Azura, the cologne, uh, Kirkland from Costco's, and Math Hoffman, my expert opinion. The words of wisdom are wild for the week. Uh, black men who have succeeded have an obligation to serve as role models for young men entrapped by a vicious cycle of poverty, despair, and hopelessness. That's my brother Benjamin Hooks. Uh, I was going on with the Trump indictments, the Maui fire, the Jamie Foxx and Jennifer Anderson situation, and students using AI. Our advice um, was a question about meeting somebody at a bar in a restaurant or opposed to a table. What were the implications in the stigma from meeting at one place or the other? Our little known black history one, black history fact. 1870 census first time black folks were counted on the census and i all hell no went to donald trump from trying to move the court date uh trial date to april 2026 and you got to give it up was to kathleen McElroy being awarded one million dollars for the whole situation at texas and so there you have it that was episode 29 in the books and as always, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always, in parting, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so, y'all, we'll check y'all out next week. Peace. <laughs>